I don't know if you had a chance over the last two weeks to watch any of the, the national conventions for the Democratic and Republican parties, but if you did happen to watch any of it, or perhaps you were one who sort of just picked up highlights either online or through the news, my guess is you saw what I did. Candidates who were promising to fix all the things that are wrong. You heard people who were, were saying, if you follow my way and my vision for what I think our, the direction our country needs to go, these are all the great things that are going to happen. My guess is you may have, like me, listened to some of those promises with a, a little bit of skepticism. We've heard political candidates in the past make great rosy promises for us and then only really follow up on far too few of them. We've heard the promises before. We've heard those things and we've seen how, well, they don't always keep their word. And so perhaps as you followed the the conventions, you did so with that skepticism, right? Of hearing and seeing political figures say one thing, but knowing they probably won't follow through. And yet knowing that in a matter of a few months, we'll have the privilege of being able to best for our country, whose promises might be the best for what our country needs. And between now and then, we're going to hear both of them proclaim how great their picture and their way is and how they're going to save us from the travesties and pitfalls that the other person is going to do by following their way. I see some similarities in our gospel lesson this morning. Our gospel lesson this morning picks up right where last week's gospel lesson let off. Jesus had asked his disciples, well, who do people say I am, right? And we heard Peter stand up and give this beautiful proclamation of his faith, right? He said, well, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? Peter was proclaiming that here in Jesus was the Savior, the anointed one, the, the promised one, the one that God had said he was going to send all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The one whom God had sent to free people from sin. To take the punishment our sin deserved. The one who had come to give eternal life. Peter, because of the faith that God had created in his heart, was able to see exactly who Jesus was. But Peter and his disciples didn't exactly understand what that meant. Both what it meant for Jesus as the Messiah and what it meant for them as followers of the Messiah. You can see already as you jump into this text that the the views of the Messiah and what it meant to follow him begin to diverge a little bit. And we hear Jesus first tell his disciples what it meant for him to be the Messiah. Right? We li- Jesus said, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. 
In other words, Jesus began to explain exactly what it meant to be the Savior. That the first and only reason Jesus came to earth was to to pay for sin. And to pay for sin meant that Jesus was going to suffer. He was going to have to fight against the devil and all his temptations. There was going to be pain involved as he was arrested and flogged and beaten. And at the end of that road of being the Messiah stood a cross. A cross on which the Messiah was going to be hung and face the punishment that sin deserved. Not just God's righteous anger over sin, but death. The eternal death that you and I deserve. That eternal separation from God and his love. In other words, on that cross, Jesus was going to suffer hell. That's what it meant for Jesus as the Messiah. It meant suffering. It meant death. And then it meant being raised from the dead on the third day. After that, it meant being able to sit on his throne again as the Son of God and rule over all things. I suppose if you wanted to think of it one way, Jesus understood that being the Messiah first meant going to the cross before getting the glory of the crown. It first meant pain and suffering before that that glory of victory. Peter heard what it meant to be the Messiah, and it didn't exactly match what he had in his mind of what it meant to be the Messiah. I don't know what Peter had in his mind as far as what the Messiah would be like and and what the Messiah would do, but it certainly didn't match up with Jesus' picture that he just laid out for his disciples, right? And so Peter takes him aside and, and, and tells Jesus, no, you're wrong. Perhaps Peter had in mind that the Messiah shouldn't have to suffer and die. Perhaps Peter had in mind that suffering and, and those things weren't really what should happen to the promised Savior, the Son of God. And he says, never, Lord. And so Jesus takes Peter and he rebukes him. He says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but human concerns. Your picture of what it means to be the Messiah, Peter, doesn't match up with God's. But it wasn't just for the Messiah that Peter's picture may have been a little different. And so Jesus tells his disciples, being the Messiah doesn't just mean the cross and pain and suffering before victory. The same is true for those who follow him. And so Jesus goes on and tells his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Peter, 
the disciples, you, me? Do you want to follow the Christ, the Son of the living God that Peter had just proclaimed? Well, this is what it's going to mean. Deny yourself. In other words, you're going to have to constantly struggle against that sinful nature that lives inside of you and wants comfort and wants to avoid the pain of living as a child of God, that wants to do things its own way, even when that way might go completely against the will of God. Jesus says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Jesus doesn't have in mind a physical cross like he was going to go to. But that cross that Jesus is talking about is all the pain and suffering and difficulties and hardships and persecutions that come into life simply because we are faithful followers of Christ. So Jesus says, as a follower of Christ, don't, don't run away from the cross. Your sinful nature would like to run away from it. Instead, pick it up and follow me. Jesus uses a a present tense verb there. In other words, it's not a following Jesus isn't this on-again, off-again thing or something that I do when I feel like it or when it's convenient. But it's a constant, ongoing thing. Following Jesus means a dogged determination to follow him wherever it might take us. You and I can hear those things. I think like Peter heard them, right? Okay, deny myself, take up my cross and follow me. I want to do that. I suppose I want to do that until it hurts. Until the devil comes with his temptations and says, boy, if you do it this way, or you go in this direction, all that pain and suffering goes away. Those temptations that say, boy, if you keep your mouth shut, or if if you live the same way the rest of the world lives, well then, people aren't going to look at you funny. They're not going to act differently around you. You'll be able to fit in a whole lot better And you won't get those hurtful words or looks or the shaking of the head. It'll be easier. Like Peter, all too often, I deny. I throw down my cross. I say never, Lord. I say no to the cross that my Savior has given to me. Because it's a whole lot easier to listen to all the different excuses I can give for not being in God's Word daily than it is for me to deny myself, my comfort, and the things that I want to do and open God's Word. It's a whole lot easier and less painful for me Well, to avoid studying God's word with my fellow believers because I'm busy, because I've got a busy schedule, because there's sports and all the other things that crowd into my life 
And that's a whole lot easier than saying no and getting a whole bunch of funny looks when I tell people, I can't do that because I've got church on Sunday. Or I've got a small group that I'm going to go to so I can read and study God's word together with fellow believers. It's a whole lot easier for me to keep my mouth shut than share my faith with that new neighbor or my coworker. It's a whole lot easier for me to ignore the pain and suffering that someone else is going through rather than stick my neck out there and serve them even if they never acknowledge it. Because my sinful nature recognizes to deny myself and to pick up my cross and follow my Savior is hard. Saying no to myself and to my sinful nature and all the comforts and things that I I like in life in favor of following my Savior and putting His will first might mean pain and suffering. It might mean serving people who might not acknowledge it. It might mean doing things that aren't really comfortable for me. It might mean getting the looks. It might mean being unpopular and a whole host of other things. What I need to hear is my Savior rebuke me. What I need to hear is my Savior remind me that those things that I put in front of my God and my will that that lead me to avoid the pain and suffering of the cross is nothing but sin. It's Satan. And I need to hear my Savior rebuke me in his word like he does Peter. Get behind me. You don't have in mind the things of God, the concerns of God. What you have in mind are your own concerns. Human concerns. And when I hear my Savior's rebuke, I repent. I turn to my Savior, I acknowledge my sin and say, Lord, forgive me. And my Savior points to a cross, doesn't he? He points to the cross that he picked up and carried with all of my sin. He points to the cross that he went to carrying all of my refusals to carry out God's will, all the times that I've thrown my cross aside, and he goes to that cross to take the punishment that all my sins deserved. And he does it doggedly and with determination. He follows his heavenly Father's will to the place where it involves pain and suffering, the pain and suffering that we deserve because of our sin, so that he could at the end say, your sin is gone. I forgive you. The guilt that goes along with not living as a child of God and throwing aside your cross, well, that's gone too. That's been taken care of by me. He goes to the cross so that he can give you that absolute certainty and assurance that not only is sin forgiven and your guilt is gone, but as a follower of Christ, eternal life is yours. 
No longer will your sins separate you from God forever, but now you will spend an eternity with your Savior in the glory that follows the cross. Man, as Jesus points us to the cross where where he takes away our sin, what it does is not only fill our hearts with joy and excitement over the depth of our Savior's love for us, but it fills our hearts with motivation. It means now as I go out into life as a child of God, I have that dogged determination to follow him. Right? To say this isn't something that I pick up when, it, when it's comfortable or easy for me, but I follow my Savior because I see what he did for me. It means when I have opportunities to deny myself and instead study God's word on my own. When I see opportunities to be here in church worshiping regularly or online. It means when I have opportunities to get together with my fellow believers in the small groups that we start next week. It means as a parent, as I have those opportunities to lead my children to my Savior using our Savior's kids' ministry, I do those things. And I set aside the time. And I might say no to a host of other really good things, but I know that this is most important. It means I I pick up my cross and I follow my Savior even when it means persecution, hardship, trials, pain, suffering, or even as many of the early Christians or even still Christians today face death. It means as followers of God, we follow our Savior. His way. Not mine. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.